Uh, greetings in the Master's name. We had uh, earlier brought uh, two messages on uh, called and chosen. Uh, that verse in Revelation 17, 14, uh, the conflict between good and evil and those that were with Christ, picture might be more towards the end of time, but it says, He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So sort of a sequence there, a progression, called and chosen and faithful. And so today uh, the message is on faithful, but I thought we'd review a little bit, uh, called, uh, and we had, I'd asked the question, who is not called? And actually Jesus said there were some that were not called uh, in a sense. He said, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But then the Bible also says in Romans, it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there aren't really any that are righteous. So there are, so everyone is called because nobody's righteous. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but he was talking to people who thought they were righteous and didn't need him. Uh, so, so all are called. Uh, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, see, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I, I better turn to that. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So he says he's calling, and he says anybody that opens the door, anybody that invites me into their life, into their heart, I'll come, and we'll have fellowship. Uh, so that's beautiful. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And that that phrase, ye shall find rest unto your souls. Um, well, I was thinking about uh, about man in school. We learned. Well, the way the taxonomy used to be in biology, it was the plants and the animals. Uh, biology, life, study of life, plants and animals. But then, but then, you know, as they looked more into that, well, where does the little creatures belong? I mean, the one-celled organisms and all that. I think maybe when I was in school, there might have been five kingdoms, plants, animals, protists, Fungi. Anyway, I forget. Uh, and, and now they've, I was, I was looking that up just a little bit, see where it is nowadays. And some of them want to divide it into six kingdoms, some want to divide it into seven kingdoms. But anyway, plants and animals. But there's a third one, and it's man. Man is body, soul, and spirit. Now, animals 
or flesh and blood, their, their, their body. And they have, uh, animals have personality too. Some animals have personality. But animals do not have spirit. God, when he created the world and he spoke and all the things came into being, it says when he formed man, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Man is created in the image of God. The animals weren't. So it's plants, animals, and man. And so man became a man was created in the image of God. He has spirit. He can fellowship with God. He has aware, an awareness of that of spiritual realities. And, uh, and Jesus said about coming to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Rest. And Augustine said it like this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. We have that spirit part of us that is only can only be satisfied by Christ, by resting in God. That, that, that's a famous quote, but it is good. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Well, at the end of Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, uh, it says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Invitation is for all. John 1, 9 says, That was the true light which lighteth every man that come, cometh into the world. So Jesus Jesus offers that light, or he gives us the capacity to respond and so then we go to chosen and Jesus said a couple times he said many are called but few are chosen of course we have in the in the sermon on the mount there at the end we have the narrow way and the broad way and so the narrow way goes against our selfishness wanting to do our own thing and so that's why people don't choose the narrow way Broadway, kind of do your own thing. But many are called and few are chosen. And that, that's at the end of that um, illustration Jesus gave about the king that had invited people to the wedding feast and they weren't interested. And so they just went out and gathered up anybody they could. And then there was one there at didn't have on a wedding garment but anyway at the end of that he said many are called but few are chosen so we're all invited and some say oh, I'm not interested um, but chosen that word chosen uh, in fact turn to uh, Ephesians 1 the word chosen um, is select or elected
And Ephesians 1, I think, explains that, speaks to that. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And you see it, it said in uh, verse 4, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, the plan of salvation is totally God's design or doing. We had no say in that plan of salvation. Uh, Jesus is the lamb, and Jesus is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And that's that's the plan of salvation. Our part, I mean, that that's that's predetermined. That's predestinated. That is what God determined ahead of time. So we have no choice in that. The choice that we have is whether we're going to respond to God's call. And so God's chosen the selected ones, the elected ones, are the ones that respond to God's call. The plan is predestinated. We choose to respond to God's call, and if we do respond to God's call, we become his chosen ones. Because he, that's, that's the plan, those who respond to him, and then his purpose for them, to uh, live to the praise of his glory, and to have forgiveness of sins, and so on. It says in verse 5, according to the good pleasure of his will, that plan. You know, it says in John, it's interesting, in, in John 1, verse 12, I think I was going to refer to that verse later, but uh, it says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So it's the ones that receive him that we have the right or the authority to become sons of God. But then the next verse says, which were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We become a child of God, not by our own, not by our bloodline or, or somebody else's decision, but it's by God. And we have that privilege, that right. 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. It's amazing that we can be children of God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Son of God. Heavenly Father. We have a Heavenly Father. 1 John 3 also says, uh, well, no, that was uh, Ephesians 1, 11, and I already went over that, that 
according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. It's not our efforts. It's not our accomplishments. It's his plan. God planned the way of salvation. Acts 4.12, there in Peter's sermon, It says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God's plan. So called, chosen, and faithful. And I don't have, I just got a few of the verses here actually that where the scripture talks about being faithful. So we're called, all, all are called, some respond and are chosen. But then what? See, salvation, salvation is not a one-time event. In the New Testament, different times it talks about the way. The people of the way. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a journey. It's a journey. Um, but thinking about being there at, in Revelation, then those that are with Christ were the called, the chosen, and the faithful. And Jesus talked about the necessity of faithfulness. Uh, Matthew 24, you might want to turn to that. Probably might recognize that passage, but Matthew 24... Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So there are people, evidently, who... Responded to the call. And. Followed Christ. But somebody comes along. And preaches another gospel. Saying they're preaching. In the name of Christ. And they're deceiving people. So Jesus said that's going to happen. But now, verses 12 and 13. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Do I need to tell you that iniquity is abounding? We get acclimated to the ungodliness around us. 
100 years ago, I forget exactly how it was. There was a movie star on a beach that had some of her skin exposed, and she was arrested. Another similar situation, I don't know if it was in, um, up in Jersey Shore, but a lady was arrested for having her stockings rolled down on the beach. Now compare that to what we see nowadays. It says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. The love for God's ways. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So, endure, endure. That's what it says. There, there needs to be an endurance unto the end. The church at Smyrna, and actually the church at Smyrna, okay, I'm switching to Revelation chapter 2, the seven churches. Church at Smyrna, if I remember right, was one of the faithful churches. But, but the word to them was, I mean, they were, they were, there were only two out of the seven churches, I think, that weren't, weren't uh, condemned for something or said that they need to amend their ways. And, but it said for Smyrna, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So there, there's that endurance again. Faithful unto death. And the word faithful, it was interesting. I was, I was checking all, these, all the places where the word faithful occurs in Scripture. That's easy to do with the Power Bible. And in the New Testament, I think every single time the word faithful was translated from the same Greek word. Sometimes, it's, you know, it's a lot of different words, but it means, it has the idea of being trustworthy or true. Faithful, trustworthy or true. Uh, again, to the seven churches, the church at Sardis, it, it said, Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. So hold fast, so that no man takes it away. That would, that would imply that it can be taken away. Uh, a couple verses here uh, you might want to just turn to uh, to follow me along. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. Short verse. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. So the idea of prove is testing. Uh, it passes the test. You, 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 you examine it. And then you hold fast to the things that prove to be good. Uh, that made me think of a little saying. Um, uh, back in my day, there were still, uh, in school, people still had these autograph books. I think it was kind of dying out by the time I was in school, but people had their autograph books and they'd get their friends to write in them and such things like uh, when you were married and spanking six, remember me between the licks. Uh, but there, uh, somebody told me one that was a little more serious than that. Um, life is but a school, each day a recitation, but remember after death comes the great examination. So that was a little more appropriate. <laughs> uh, but it said prove, I, I thought about that when it said prove things, you know, here it's saying you test things here and accept what's good, but 
there is going to be, uh, you know, an examination, so, so to speak, at the end of life. Hebrews has various warnings. Let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 3, I want to look at verse 6 and 14 in Hebrews 3. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of our hope firm unto the end. And then verse 14, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So we have the same thought there in verse 6. It says, hold fast. In verse 14, it says, hold. And that comes from the same Greek word. And in verse 6, you have the rejoicing of your hope firm unto the end. And in 14, it says, um, steadfast unto the end. And that's the same, same Greek word. It's the idea of stability. Uh, stability in our lives. And another thing that was interesting to me here was, it says, if we hold firm unto the end, the end, and the Greek word there is telos, and, and so then I, I got to thinking, those, those little things at the end of your chromosomes are called telomeres. Um, and, you know, they say as you get old, they shorten, and, and eventually that's what causes your death, your telomeres get shortened, and that's at the end of your chromosomes, but it comes from that Greek word, end. And so at the end of your life, your telomeres are getting shorter, but it says here, you hold fast until the end. <laughs> so uh, anyway. And then in 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So there it is again. Has the idea of, and that word there, hold fast, has the idea of cease or retain. You hold fast, endure. And the Bible says that some are not going to remain faithful. Now, 1 Timothy 4 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So this is just not a, this not just theology. It's not just something theoretical. Uh, this thing of called and chosen and faithful. There are some who will be called and chosen, but not faithful. It says the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. And you know, Paul said about one of his fellow workers in 2 Timothy 4.10, he said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Earlier, Paul, okay, that's in 2 Timothy, and Paul wrote 2 Timothy just shortly before he was executed. That's at the end of his life. But several years earlier, in the letter to Colossians and Philemon, in Colossians, he, he, he was talking about, uh, he was giving greetings to the church at Colossae, and he said, Luke, 
the beloved physician and Demas greet you. He was one of his trusted fellow workers. And when he wrote to Philemon, he said, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Demas at one time was a fellow laborer with Apostle Paul. That's pretty, well, how do you want to say it? Pretty high up, you might say. But Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world. And so the present world does have its attractions. And some people trade in their love for Christ for love for the world. Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Thinking about that thing of endurance, you know, Paul said in Philippians 3, he says, I press toward the mark. Paul's a zealous fellow. But, you know, there's another place where he said, I keep under my body. He was a disciplined fellow because he had a goal. Yeah, I actually wrote that down here. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. He, he was being realistic. In Luke 9, 62, Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Paul wasn't looking back. He was pressing. He was pressing forward. The, uh, the parable of the sower it's in Mark, it's in Matthew, it's in Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and all three Gospels, of uh, those Gospels. And some seed fell on the wayside. Those are people that didn't respond to the call. Some seed fell on stony ground, and it took root but there was no depth. And so as soon as a little pressure came along, persecution, whatever, um, well, I, I, have to, I think about, when I think about that part of the, of the parable, I think about a couple in West Virginia that, that joined our church there at Brushy Run, but especially the lady uh, faced a lot of ridicule from her relatives uh, for and, and, and that, so they, they, they soon gave up. Um, and then the third kind of soil was the weedy soil. You can call it that. It took root, grew, but it says the weeds choked it. And uh, the word in Matthew and Mark, the word in Matt, Mark, that refers that that's translated choke means to strangle completely. The word that's used in Matthew and Luke, uh, the word, the Greek word, it's a stifle by drowning or overgrowth. And in thinking about those 
those four kinds of soil and which one is the most instructive for us. Uh, the second kind, the pressure, the persecution, uh, we haven't faced that uh, here in the Western world. I mean, this country was founded on a principle of religious freedom, and so there's, there's a lot of religious freedom. And I mean, the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, there were some pressures, there was some persecution, there were a few people that died in, in, in uh, military camps. But by and large, uh, that 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 second kind of soil, I don't think we faced a lot of that. To me, the third one is sometimes where we may tend to find ourselves, or where people tend to find themselves, because it says. Um, it defines what those weeds are. Uh, Jesus, let me see if um, if it says it here in Luke. Yes, they that which fell among thorns are they which which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a plant, a tree, or, or I mean, your vegetable garden or whatever. It starts out and the plants have, they start out with some fruit on them. Right now we're facing some dry weather, but, but they start out with some fruit on them, but it, they they get choked before the fruit comes. They don't. They end up not bearing any fruit. And uh, so, to me, that is maybe the most dangerous one for us at this time. Just this morning, someone sent an email. Uh, some um, about once a month, I get this email prayer request and. And uh, in this email, it was um, it was somebody in another country. Actually, they were sending a prayer request, but they were talking about some Bible studies they had, and said we need to stop agreeing with Jesus and start doing what He says. That's an interesting expression. We need to stop agreeing with Jesus and start doing what He says. You know, some people and say, "Oh yeah, you know, this is this is a book. This is the truth. You know, I believe what God said." <laughs> this person said, let's stop agreeing and start doing it. And then it went on to say, our lives are so saturated with the things we take in from the world that we don't have time to spend with our Savior and realize the power that is available to us by His Spirit. And I think that is probably true of us. There are so many distractions. We don't have time to spend with our Savior and realize the power that is available to us by His Spirit. And I think we all realize the, the challenges we have in that line. Now, I'm not saying that we are in that third class of soil. The fourth class of soil is in Luke. It says, I like the way it says it in Luke. It says... Um, 
And some fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And then Jesus said, those are the ones who in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. I like that verse and that way Jesus explained that, that uh, good soil. In an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. Uh, in closing, let's turn to Second Peter. Look at uh, a number, a, path, a passage there, and some verses. Second Peter, chapter one, first eleven verses. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that passage so well sums up the called, the chosen, and the faithful. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's amazing what this passage brings out because in verses 3 to, to three and 4, it says God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've been called to glory and virtue. We have been given exceeding great and precious promises. We're partakers of the divine nature. We've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And you could say, well, what more could a person need? And it says, add. Add diligence, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, charity. If you have those things, you won't be barren and unfruitful. But if you lack these things, you've forgotten that you were purged from your old sins. So give diligence to make your calling and election sure. So give diligence to make your calling and election sure. So there's the calling, there's the chosen, and it says if you do these things, you'll not fail. There's the faithfulness. And at the end of the book, 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. 
Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. The necessity of faithfulness. But this is where we want to find ourselves. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's what we want to do, to keep growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's kneel for prayer.